Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy! Your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy! I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined today by Buzzy Cohen. Happy to be in the world of Jeopardy! with you today, Sarah. Ah, what a world. Yep. What a world it is. A lot going on. A lot going on. You know, we're just one month out from the highly anticipated Jeopardy! Masters. I'm not sure how many of you caught the, the first promo that our social and digital team shared last week along with ABC. It wouldn't be Masters if it wasn't a Jeopardy! clue. Johnny Gilbert says, hosted by the GOAT Ken Jennings, this is the ultimate competition for six of the highest-ranked Jeopardy! champions. What is Jeopardy! Masters? We got our first glimpse of Ken, the GOAT, hosting Masters. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Masterful. Masterful, kicking off May 8th on ABC. And we just had the Masters Masters this past weekend, so it's really fitting. Right? You know, sports. Jeopardy's a sport. (laughs) Sports are still happening. The Masters happened. Uh, But this is one that will be airing on ABC, streaming on Hulu. You're not going to want to miss it. And I'm not going to want to miss our analysis here in the pod. It's going to be deep. Yeah. It makes me think, too, the fact that we're calling it the Masters and it's on Jeopardy. You know I love a weird trophy. Maybe there should be a blue jacket. You know, that... Was that tossed around? It was tossed around and then into the proverbial... Garbage. Okay. No, but we went went through a lot of things like that. But we felt like we wanted to give it even a a higher, more elevated level of a a prize. And so we landed on the Trebek Trophy. Wow. And uh, Gene and Alex's family, you know, gave their blessing for that. And then came the challenge, how do you honor Alex in the form of a trophy? You know, you want it to be really spectacular, but it's not like some right. golden mustache or Laser something. Laser etched yes. uh, crystal Alex, cube of his face Alex in the middle. Alex <laughs> would hate that. So it's nothing that, you know, embodies his likeness. But I feel like what we ended up with, the design, is really grand and wonderful and will be symbolic of Alex in a different way. So I can't wait to see it. You know I love a trophy. I love a little bit of shtick. And, you know, having the Trebek trophy, you know. Yes. I mean, as if a half a million dollars isn't, isn't enough, enough. Yeah. you're going to earn the Trebek trophy. And our winner is also having the opportunity to make a donation in honor of their favorite charity oh, that's of $100,000. Wow. Yes. So I have a question about the Trebek trophy. I know yes. that's, you know, um, is it going to be like a new Trebek trophy every year or is it passed from the previous winner? Sort of, is it a Stanley Cup or, you know? This is a very good question. It's it's much, I would say, like an Emmy. Okay, so it's yours. we have prepared the trophy along with six different bands, as mm. they do in the Emmys, for six possible winners. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, we will be able to attach or affix the correct band for the champion. They will take home that Trebek trophy, and then each year, subsequent winners will receive 
the same design, but with their name. I'm really excited I'm for excited this too. tradition to begin. It yeah, hasn't even started, I but I mean, I'm excited. So we've been teasing Masters here on Inside Jeopardy. I mean, couldn't tease it anymore. It's barely a tease. We're just talking. We're, we're about as close to gameplay analysis as you can get. But I am looking forward to diving into these elite level games with you. There is so much to cover. And as you know, I have my notebook ready, my handy dandy notebook. It's me, Steve from Blue's Clues with a handy dandy notebook in the you audience. You know what? In the beginning, we always got confused with the Blue's Clues, like because we were the Clue Crew. And when we debuted, it was when Blue's Clues was also <laughs> like at the height of its popularity. I can't tell you how many local newscasts I went on and they're like, it's Sarah from, from the Blue's, Blue's Clues. <laughs> I was like, oh. And even the producers admitted like Clue Crew seemed so good on paper, but it's really hard to say. And the amount of local newscasters who struggled, either by calling us something completely different, the Blues Clues, or just Clues, Crews, Clue. It's, yeah. it's tough. You know, it's alliterative. It was yeah. meant to be, you know, helping describe what we did, but um, maybe not the best title. I don't know. Well, it's in the past now. The past is in the past. We All we can do is learn and move forward. And I want to address, speaking of learning and move forward, I want yes. to address some feedback from our ah. con- the, the infamous <laughs> contestant interview debate. It's going to go down with the kitchen debate as one of the all-time throwdowns. Um, you know, more than a couple people have said that they <laughs> uh, strongly disagree with me, that they love the contestant interviews. Uh, a couple people on Twitter. I don't want to get into their specific notes, but even my wife was like, I'm with Sarah on this. I love the interviews. And I just... Thank you. I just want to say, I didn't say get rid of the interviews. I didn't... You know, somebody was like, well, what would you put instead of the interviews? I'm like, I'm not saying we get rid of it. I'm just saying it's not my personal favorite. I also think I probably enjoyed it more before I was a contestant. I found it to be kind of a more stressful part of being on the show as l- yes. last week's Look champion. at Lisa Shrieken. Yeah. She's, she had an article in Newsweek talking yeah. about how she would have actually been happy if she ended after day one because of that interview. And know, I, she got it correct and she didn't have to do the excruciating yes. anecdotes. And I also want to say that as a guest host, it was probably the thing that I had the hardest time with. I don't know. what Did you, did you think I also struggled with that, Sarah? I didn't necessarily think you struggled with that. I actually got to... Uh, do the rehearsal for yeah. the first time last yeah. week. Jimmy McGuire is trapped in Cabo for oh, a wedding. Oh, poor guy. No, he made it back in time for the first <laughs> show, but he couldn't make it for the rehearsal. So I was like, okay, I can do this. But I have to say, I really enjoyed the interview part of the show because I just felt like the contestants didn't have to, you know, they didn't have to correctly respond. Mm. They could just talk about their life. I didn't have to make sure I hosted correctly for right. them. We could just have a conversation, and I I enjoyed it all the more. That is true. I think, well, you have a a ton of interviewing background, both as, you know, the winner's circle, all the work that you do with our celebrity clue people that you also get some interview, and you're also trained as a newscaster to interview people. So you have a lot of, it's kind of in your wheelhouse, I would say. Maybe that's why I lean toward the interview. But I just love that our listeners, they love to give feedback. So whether it was supporting me, supporting Buzzy. It's all been in support of you. So it's not a popularity (laughs) contest. It's not a popularity contest. That's what my therapist keeps telling me. Okay. Anyway, back to- I'm not helping. No, 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 no. It's okay. This goes back to that other podcast of yours. Yeah, Inside Buzzy's Insecurities. (laughs) But uh, it's all to say, I love a lively debate. I still enjoy the contestant interviews, and I'm glad that our fans are out there telling us what they think. Yes, and just in the last week, we had some really fun moments. 
So let's jump into last week's games and cue the beep poops. On Monday, two-day champion, Buzzy's favorite to come up with movie titles, Sharon's... <laughs> Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Stone returned to face Crystal Zhao and Dan Bayer. Before we jump into this game, I do want to share, it's been announced, and we talked about it last week, that there is a new podcast coming out in just a few weeks. Uh, This is Jeopardy, and I'm hosting it. And it's pretty interesting that we're doing this week of shows right now because we have an entire episode of this podcast where we take you inside the contestant experience. And it was this week of shows that our producers were there following these contestants. So save this podcast, save this week of shows on your DVR or however you save your shows, because then when the This Is Jeopardy podcast week comes out, you're going to want to revisit it and be like, oh, that's who they were talking about. Anyway, this was a very close Jeopardy round. Crystal had a very funny reaction to finding that (laughs) Daily Double. Yes. A common thing a contestant says, oh, you have the Daily Double. I'm going to throw up. That came out of her mouth. She then wagered $2,000, and Ken responded, whatever amount will keep you from throwing up. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to come up with the correct response, but the good news is she did not throw up. She did not throw up, but she continued to play well, as all three players did in the double Jeopardy round, very evenly matched. Uh, Sharon and Dan found those daily doubles, couldn't convert either of them, so Crystal actually goes into the final Jeopardy round with a slight lead, 11,000 over Sharon's 8,900. Yes, tough, tough final. No one was able to come up with the correct response. But Crystal, absolutely shocked. She becomes our fifth female champion in a row, continuing the streak. Tamara, Nicole, Lisa, Sharon, and now Crystal. And I have to say, I love when we get emails to the podcast, but mm-hmm. even more when we get one from someone who's been listening Recent champion Sharon Stone in response to last week's podcast, she says, Hello, Sarah and Buzzy. I usually hate sharing a name with a famous person. I just want to come in here and say, after we recorded this podcast, I was like, I bet Sharon doesn't love this. a lot. I know. And I felt a little bit bad. But she goes, I hear the same jokes over and over. I love your movies. Or my least favorite, are you the real Sharon Stone? But Buzzy's reference to Sharon Stone movies 
beyond basic instinct, especially the total recall and the quick and the dead mentions, gave me a good laugh. I would have liked a longer win streak for several reasons, but to see how long Buzzy could keep those references going is pretty high on that list. Thanks for the chuckle and a consistently enjoyable podcast. Sincerely, Sharon Stone, not the Sharon Stone. Well, thank you, two-time champion Sharon Stone. People are going to now want to know, are you Sharon Stone, the Jeopardy champion? That's right. Yeah. Well, heading into Tuesday's game where Crystal Zhao faced Brian Henniger and Amanda Bain Wysocki. Well, this was a pretty evenly matched Jeopardy round, just $1,400 separating first to third. Fun interviews, actually, yeah. Buzzy. I like okay, to point out okay. some good interviews. This is going to be the new thing. Huh? This, this is, is the new yeah. two-day total point. Amanda, card. big Oscars fan. She started in high school, and she watches every Best Picture winner in chronological order, escalating to the point where she's now doing an Oscar Fantasy League. I want to shout out, Amanda, next time you are in L.A., come around the Oscars because O'Brien's Pub Quiz, which is a very fabled and frequented by many Jeopardy hopefuls and former champions, myself, Brad Rutter, Jerome Verid, uh, many others, on the Wednesday before the Oscars has a, an Oscar quiz that will blow your mind. So Amanda, next time you're in LA, make sure you make it that week before the Oscars and make that quiz. And then we learned for Brian, for the last 23 years, he's hosted a Christmas-themed version of Jeopardy with his family, including a full set, commercial breaks, everything. Ken said, well... Unlike me, you have a great Alex Trebek mustache. And then we heard from Crystal that she has a passion for building IKEA furniture. Whenever her friends purchase anything from IKEA, she tells them to please call her to build it. I want Crystal to come over the next time. Yeah. I have some IKEA furniture. She says she can even do it without the manual now. I feel like Crystal is ready for a TikTok account. Right? I feel like people would tune in to watch someone who's really good at building IKEA furniture, do it. What's that piece called that they all come with? You know, that one little tool you need. It the comes... Allen wrench? The hex wrench? It's the Allen wrench I think yeah. I'm thinking of. She must yeah. have a whole collection of Allen oh, wrenches. Oh, yeah. And the little um, the little wood dowels that like are, you know, for to help strengthen yeah. it where there's not a screw. Hammer it just so, yep. but not too hard because then yep. you dent the furniture. Yep. Do it yep. on a rug. Have been, a friend. It's heavy. There. I love that guy. The, oh, and then you get it backwards. And then, then the whole you thing, you, you've ruined it. But anyway, double <laughs> jeopardy. <laughs> I digress. Crystal found the first Daily Double. She wagers everything she has, and she responds correctly. And then Brian racked up 16 correct responses, and despite missing the second Daily Double, he was actually able to take a small lead heading into final. And Brian extended that lead, being the only one to get final correct. Um, the category novelists, the clue, a 2012 book review noted subjects that sparked his ire, capital punishment, big tobacco, and the plight of the unjustly convicted. Kind of a good, tricky little clue. Put together a few of his most famous books of John Grisham. I actually thought Amanda and Crystal had good guesses with Upton Sinclair and Lewis. I assume Sinclair Lewis, who uh, Crystal was going for. Yeah, and Brian actually had tears in his eyes when he was crowned the Jeopardy champion, explaining later that it was like 100 emotions hitting at the exact same moment. I have to say, maybe a good candidate for best celebration. Ooh. He was very excited, Brian was. Got to remember the Jeopardy honors are coming up they in just are. a few months. All right, that brings us to Wednesday. Brian went up against Brandon Broughton and Teresa Browning. Yeah, another strong round for Brian in the Jeopardy round. 16 correct responses and a daily double. 
giving him $7,800 heading into Double Jeopardy. And he had another 15 correct responses on his way to a score of $23,000 at the end of that round. And Brian got himself a runaway. Which was good because none of our contestants <laughs> was able to come up with the correct response in, I loved this clue, uh, movies of the 80s hmm. based on an off-Broadway play with just three characters. It won the Best Picture Oscar and the actors in all three roles were nominated. Great film, Driving Miss Daisy. I imagine Amanda was bummed that yes. she was not playing this game. I know. You know, you can't control that stuff. But Brian explained to the post-game chat that although he is a fan of many quiz shows, Jeopardy means so much to him because it was the first one that he really got into. He recalled the first trivia fact he learned was from a Bugs Bunny cartoon and that his love for trivia just grew from there. He said Jeopardy was the only show that he always wanted to at least have a shot at, and he got it, and he's making the most of it. He sure did, and after two wins, Brian returned on Thursday to face Eliza Hosmar and Cameron Creel. Yeah, in the Jeopardy round, Brian again off to a good start, finishing the round with 14 correct responses and $7,000. During the break, this is when Ken often does some Q&A, and mm -hmm. an audience member asked, Hey, Ken, what would you be doing if you uh, never got on Jeopardy? Ken said he would probably be writing Java, uh, mildly unhappy, and binging the rest of Atlanta tonight. <laughs> Thank goodness he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. The computer programmer turned author and Jeopardy host. He had a better night that night, I think. Yeah, God bless him. Well, there was also a funny clue. I'm a big Tina Fey fan. Tina Fey said, Gravity was about how this actor would rather float away and die in space than spend time with a woman <laughs> his own age. And that was, that was of one. course... George Clooney. Love Tina Fey. In the double Jeopardy round, Brian had the most impressive of all of his rounds so far. He dominated 19 correct responses, including both daily doubles. He ends the round with a $30,000 total and another runaway. Wow, Brian is really doing it. In that post-game chat, he says he keeps reminding himself to stay out of his own head. He says this is just an experience like nothing else. I think that is great advice to everyone out there. Yeah, and Eliza said that she wished she was better at the buzzer, explaining that she was too early in rehearsal and too late now. Ken responded, I've been there with humans and robots alike, <laughs> probably referring to Watson. He said, probably. I feel... Probably. Could be another robot. You don't think he's played against another <laughs> robot on Jeopardy? I don't know. Some people say our contestants are like robots sometimes. Yeah, I, I, think, mean... I think that was some of the James criticism that he was a little robot. Yeah, Maybe he so, was talking about James. Ken, Ken said, if you're out there, write into the podcast. <laughs> Let us know. He listens. Anyway, he said he could feel her pain, and yeah. I think he could. Well, we closed out the week with Brian going for a fourth win up against Brandy Ash and Rachel Clark. Well, Brian had another great start in the Jeopardy round. 17 correct responses, ending the Jeopardy round with $8,000. Yes, and he came across his category, two shoes. He ran that category. We learned about ballet shoes, Jordans, Uggs, blue suede shoes, and Stenson's. And have to remember, blue suede shoes, big topic recently on Celebrity mm -hmm. Jeopardy. Who can forget Brendan Hunt? He was wearing blue suede shoes. It was the response to a clue. His competitors were like, seriously, you're wearing the response, but can't get enough blue suede shoes. Yeah, and this reminds me, we haven't heard, I mean, Michael has been incredibly busy, hasn't been on the pod lately. We haven't heard about the running the category bonus in a minute. That's so, true. So well, next time he's on the show, I'm going to bring that up with him. Bring that up. And, you know, I know he called out everyone's opinions on that. We never really circled back, so we'll have right. to... 
circle back with your opinions. And should we talk about these interviews since I love the interview section? We should, because Rachel, like Ken, is the child of a school librarian. And when she got the call to be on the show, she said she went directly to her mom's library for children's reference books, rating them. And Ken, of course, said that's a James Holtzauer secret. We learned that is how James studied because yeah. he said, you know, it's a perfect way to get a little bit of knowledge right. about a lot of things in a short amount of time. Yeah, not getting too deep in the weeds on it. Well, in the Double Jeopardy round, Brian had an unusually slow start. You know, it is Friday. I know that sometimes even if you're not playing in the first game, the adrenaline and fatigue can start to set in. So that may have been a factor here for him. He only responded to two clues in the first half of the round. Brandy and Rachel mounted their comebacks, and the round ended with all three players with five-digit scores. Brian maintained a small lead, but it would all come down to final, and all three contestants miss it. So from first place, Brian was forced to wager big. Rachel sneaks in with a come-from-behind win, ending Brian's streak at three games. Ken told Rachel that she looks like she wasn't quite believing what had just happened, and she responded, no, absolutely not. (laughs) She said she wasn't feeling optimistic. She thought she messed up the math. Ken responds, it turns out in this situation, the math was correct. But again, this was a really tricky betting scenario. Yeah. Brian said that he really enjoyed his time on the show. I think that's something that we could see and that we all share as contestants. Really couldn't put it into words. He says it was absolutely phenomenal. And we just really want to share our support for Brian. I know last week was a roller coaster for him, you know, first appearing and none of us expecting that he would get comments about his appearance. You know, initially he decided to step away from Twitter because obviously he was surprised and hurt by the types of things people were saying. And I really. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly it's sunny again when copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act that sun's shining on a beach and when copilot uncovers hidden insights you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I think he was a picture of strength in a really uncomfortable situation. You know, he ended up coming back on Twitter. He was welcomed with so many positive comments and so much support, not just from the Jeopardy community, but just from people who had kind of, you know, started to hear about his impressive run. And he said on Twitter, so I have two things to say right now, and then I'm not going to say anything else about the matter for the sake of my own sanity. For starters, even though I've spent about 10 years on it, I'm shaving off my mustache tonight. Too much work to keep it tight. And second, to all of you jerkolas, you thought comparing my appearance to one of the most evil dictators who ever lived was the height of comedy? When I get my Jeopardy winnings, I will be making a donation to the Anti-Defamation League. I just thought that was such a perfect comeback and scene for Brian Henniger. Of course, even SNL decided to poke a little fun this week 
And in response to that, Brian said, well, I guess it's great to make it on Saturday Night Live, I suppose. And he said, hey, y'all, going to take a break for a few days. Promise I'll be back. Just need a little time alone. You deserve a little time alone, and you deserve congratulations, Brian, for an incredible three-day run. We know we're going to see you back for Champions Wildcard, maybe even the TOC. I can't wait to see how your journey continues. And with that, Rachel gets to spend the weekend as a Jeopardy champion. I hope she enjoys that, gets some some well-deserved recognition at the local coffee shop or bruncheri, <laughs> which is a new word I just made up. We'll see if that win finally sinks in for her. But for now, let's answer some of our viewer questions. Jacoby asks, what is the process behind the celebrity clues? Well, we have the right person here to answer that question. Yes, whenever we want to book various talent for the show, it's, you know, it can come from any idea. It can be the writers have specific talent they're really hoping to write a category to. We might be approached by National Geographic or Hulu or you name it, saying, hey, we have a project coming up and we'd love to have some of our talent read a category about it or at least a clue about it. Sometimes it's an idea that myself or one of the other producers has. You know, a great idea for talent can come from many different places. Sometimes we just have a huge fan of the show who says, hey, I want to be a Jeopardy category. It's on my bucket list, which is always a really fun way for us to come across having someone record clues. And then from there, we decide, you know, timing and location. Are they going to come to the studio? Are we going to go to them? Do they live in L.A.? Do they live in New York? I'm the DGA segment director for Jeopardy. So then I travel wherever it is that we're going to record the clue. If it's here in L.A., we have kind of our our local L.A. team. And if it's East Coast, we have our New York crew that then, you know, we'll either we'll do it in New York or travel somewhere nearby. We're a small crew for those things. It's just a camera operator, a sound man usually a grip who helps with lighting and a prompter operator. And, you know, it's a pretty quick process. Our writers write up a great category and our talent records them beautifully. It usually takes 15 to 30 minutes to get those categories. Of course, there's SAG after paperwork because we're a union show. So everyone gets paid for those categories. You're not going to get rich on it, right, Buzzy? You've you've delivered a category. (laughs) You know the payment. You're not going to get rich on it. But of course, we have that. We have location agreements. And there's a lot to each of these categories to make it happen. But I think it's so rewarding when it airs on the show and when it's a win and when our contestants and our viewers feel like, wow, that was a really great category that Mm -hmm. that particular talent brought to life. Yeah, and we saw that uh, recently with the high school reunion when Daniel Radcliffe did those clues where it's like a a celebrity category really connects with the contestants. It's super fun. Yep, that's the moment when it works. (laughs) All right, Alwyn asks, what is the pin Mayim always wears? I can't quite make it out. Well, this is a very special pin to Mayim. Uh, It was a gift when she was 16 years old, and uh, she's told the story about it, so that's how I know a little bit more about it. It's actually a gold safety pin with four charms hanging. And the charms are a tiny hand, which wards off evil spirits, a tiny little eyeball, which does the same, a Jewish star, and the Hebrew word in chai, which means life and also is a good luck amulet. And chai is also the numerical equivalent of the number 18, which is why 18 is a lucky number in Judaism. Correct, Buzzy? That is correct. Well, thank you. I got the correct response. So hope that answered your question. I've been paying attention when Mayim talks about her pin on the show. 
And that wraps up today's show. Join us next Monday as we find out if Rachel can secure that second win. I cannot wait. And as always, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And send us your questions to Podcast at gmail.com. See you, See you next, next week. week.